you guys. My name is Irene Eason, and this is Socially Divorced. You guys know this is the podcast where we break up with societal standards and social expectations. Every week, I have a co-host, our friend, or a co-host friend, family member, that sits down and talks about something that helped me navigate life, something that's inspired me, and my little tool that I've extracted from knowing that person. So today we have in the house someone that definitely inspires me. I adore him so much, and I adore his family so much. Oh, my gosh. Um, the wonderful Spencer Pacinger. Hello, hello. And we also have his better half. Way Ms. better. Blair. Hello, hello. Way better half. Welcome, you guys. <laughs> Don't copy me. <laughs> and today we are talking about... Pretty much manifesting our dreams, how that goes about. Everyone knows when you listen to my podcast, it's a relationship with something. So we're discussing our relationship with dreams. Yep. So let's get started. Spencer, you're from L.A. Yes. Went to Oregon State. Oregon. Oregon. Mm-hmm. Went to Oregon. Oh. We're not doing that. Oh, we're not. We're correct right now. <laughs> went to Oregon. You went to Oregon. Yes. You was in an NFL. Yes. Seven years. Yep. Played for four teams. Mm-hmm. Won a Super Bowl. I, I technically say I play for three because I don't claim the Jets. Okay. They didn't claim you, baby. That's exactly. Okay. Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My mom used to say, don't be liking people that don't like you. Like, exactly. Don't be, uh, exactly. don't be crying over boys that don't like you. Girl. Exactly. Hell, that I'm, don't make no dang no sense. I played for them in, in uh, fall camp. I got cut in fall camp. So I'm like, I didn't. They don't count. Yeah. We were just hanging out. We, we didn't date. So Wikipedia needs to update that information. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to write them. Um, I'm going to need you to delete this information. You just go in and correct you it. Can like just they, delete it. they allow you to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> A little asterisk. So three teams, seven years. Yes. But early on in your career, you were part of the Super Bowl winning team. Yes. I, I won a Super Bowl my rookie year with the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Bowl 46 against the New England Patriots. Um, we won on a, like, a Hail Mary drop pass from... Uh, Rob Gronkowski. So when the ball hit the ground, we world champions. She was there. She Blair. was in the stands with us. What, what was that like, Blair? Uh, it was pretty surreal, I think, because we were so young. And when he first was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the draft. I was like, no, you're not. What are you really going to do? And then <laughs> <Wow>. like. <laughs> she kept it real. Yeah. That first year was like really strange. Well, she, I mean, we essentially started talking more. We were, you know, for, for those out there that don't know well none of you guys know I started essentially <laughs> but we were good friends in high school ended up um, dating my first what I would say like I had a girlfriend before she had a boyfriend that's how this relationship sort of started okay so, I love this yeah <laughs> but she knew me when it was like I'm thinking about walking away from football I had already oh. graduated I graduated a year early at Oregon I had two job offers, and we had just lost the, in the Rose Bowl to uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Okay. So I thought that was the biggest stage that you can get to. There's no way that you know we're going to get to a national championship or or anything beyond that in my so football wait, career. How did you? When did you decide that you want to try NFL? Like when? Or when did you decide that that was the dream? Dream number one. I realized that was the dream probably midway through my senior year. Um, this was the point where. I came back to the team because I was all set to like leave Oregon and go into the workforce, and that was just going to be my life living in Portland. 
But mm. um, <laughs> yeah, problem number one. <laughs> <laughs> but my my good friends and roommates they said, hey, we came in together, like we should leave together. And I told them, all right, I'll come back and play, as, you know. But we got to make it to the national championship at least. Like we had a really good team at that point, and to me, anything besides that would have been a failure for us. So it wasn't until midway through that season, we were undefeated. Uh, we were steamrolling through every team we saw that I thought maybe I can ride this wave into the NFL potentially. I, I knew I wasn't going to be a high draft pick. I probably would have went undrafted, but I've just felt, I felt like I had to see where that journey went. Okay. Yeah. So the NFL becoming a dream or becoming the first destination, once you realize that, did something in you change your commitment? Did some? Did you have to do anything different than what you was doing every day to make that happen? Yeah, and, and what's interesting is it kind of switched after the NFL draft came. Um, so I went undrafted, came and went. So <laughs> back in 2011, it was a lockout year. So teams and players, agents, like nobody can talk. Sides couldn't talk to each other okay. until the draft came. So during that two or three day process, Teams can talk to agents and whatnot, and they can draft your players. But after the draft ended, when usually that's when all the undrafted guys get scooped up for free agent spots, it was remote silence for four months. Okay. So you didn't hear anything. I didn't know if I was going to get a call from a team or whatnot. I was just kind of training for that sort of uncertain future. I didn't know if I was going to get a call. So did you expect to get dra- You didn't expect to get drafted in those three days? I expected to go a, a late round two undrafted. I was pretty realistic with it. And my agent said, like, hey, these, you know, we've had some interesting calls. And even during the draft, I got called by about, about half a dozen teams saying that we're hiring you, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, I knew I was going to go late, um, possibly late to undrafted, but it really hit in when that last pick came and my name wasn't called. And for the next four months, I'm just training and training people just to, you know, keep food on the table uh, and just to you know keep my sanity. So, OK, so when you got the last call, were you was it a low point or was it like did it activate something in you to? push yeah, forward for or sure. was it like a few days of like damn what the fuck I'm gonna do no it, it was definitely a difference and, and you could speak to it you know seeing it but it was just that okay I realized that it's about I think it's like 200, 200 I want to say about 250 picks in the NFL draft so what you're telling me is there are 250 people in this country playing football that are better than me um, so it just that right there was enough for me to to kind of kick up my training a notch to cut the bullshit, essentially. Um, I stopped going out as much. Not that I was going out crazy to begin with, but I knew that if a team were to call after the lockout ended and I take I get on that flight to whatever spot I go to in the country, like they're going to get the best version of me possible, Okay, which I felt like they did. So, Blair, yeah, tell me about the four months from getting the phone call. Wait, how many days did it take for you to kick in that Let's go. It's four months. It's on and popping. I mean, it was it was literally that <laughs> night. And I, I remember like it was like it was yesterday. But uh, I, two of my friends, well, one of my friends from Portland, flew down for the draft. Just uh, he wanted to be there with us. Um, and it was him, my good friend Chad Peppers, Brian Butterfield. Uh, I'm shouting out all my people right now. But <laughs> I said after the last draft happened, I was like, we need to go out and get some food. We just need to, I can't be here right now. We need to get away. And I was just sitting there. I'm, I'm looking at all my friends that got drafted and whatnot. And it kind of clicked right there that, like, 
I need to be in this party. Like I, I need to get into the NFL by any means necessary because there's no way that XYZ is better than me when hands down I have better measurables. I'm faster, stronger, smarter. I've done more for my team than he did. And I'm not any specific person, but yeah. just looking at all the linebackers that were drafted in the in the draft, I know I was better than at least 30, 40% of them. Okay. So that says a lot because a lot of times when people don't reach the goals that they are looking at, mm-hmm. they look at and someone else is reaching those goals, especially with social media, right? It's really easy to be like, oh, this person got this or this person is doing this. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, that says a lot about you that you looked at that and went, oh, wait, I know I'm better, so I need to kick something up versus going into the sunken place mm-hmm. and being like, wait, how come I didn't get, this doesn't make sense and going into the negative? Because it's actually really difficult to root for your friends that do the same thing, that's yeah. reaching the goals or the what you have put <laughs> as the measures of success, right, the metrics of success. Mm-hmm. It's hard to root for them and not indirectly have, like, this conversation, this internal monologue with yourself that's in the opposite trajectory yeah. it's not a parallel feeling of rooting for your friends that's getting what you want as well it doesn't work like that well, right right i mean i i experienced it head on that that exact thing because back when the draft was going on uh this the third and final day seattle seahawks, seattle seahawks called me um their defensive coordinator was really high on me he said hey listen it's between you and one other guy you and one other guy it's on our board we're taking a linebacker at this position in the next five picks I said, great, I'd love to be a part of your team. This was, at the time, they were starting to ascend. Um, I hung up the phone. I started just thinking, like, who could that other guy be? Again, there, there are thousands of linebackers in the, in the, in the draft and, and trying to get into the NFL. So I started thinking, okay, what are some of the commonalities that this position would want? They need a leaner guy. They need somebody that can play on the edge. Okay, what coaching staff did this, con- did this come from? Oh, it's a USC coaching staff that was coaching at Seattle at this point. So in my head, I was like, this could be between me and one of my good friends, Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith is somebody that I played against in high school, in college, and now in the NFL. My girlfriend in high school at the time is one of his good friends, and we've just known each other since we were literally 15 years old. Played the same position, such a great guy. When the pick came, my mom was sitting there, she was happy, she was thinking like, Spencer Pace was gonna get caught. I literally looked at her and my dad, I went, Malcolm Smith. And then the commissioner called Malcolm Smith's name. And I started laughing. And I text Malcolm. I said, fuck you, congratulations. Because it was somebody that, like, I've seen him, you know, ascend. I've seen him, like me, go through the same stuff in in the collegiate system at different schools that it's almost poetic that their pick came between me and somebody that I've known for almost, at this point, 10 years of my life. And was on the journey with you. Exactly. You guys talk about it since then? That yes. day? Yeah, okay. we, we joke about it because I, mean, I never wanted somebody else's success to define what I'm doing. So the fact that he got it, I was like, yo, I'm so happy for it. Like, this is something we've talked about before. Like, I remember just so many times just, just kicking shit with him, talking about, man, I can't wait till we get into the league. I can't wait till, like, oh, am I going to be better than you? Are you going to be better than me? But the fact that it came about the way it did was, it just speaks to, our friendship that much more. I actually really, really love that because you really hear you rarely hear about black men supporting one another. Mm-hmm. Like right. we talk about couples supporting you, we talk about your family, we talk about friends supporting you. But to hear about 
someone that's a, not a rival, but someone that you're competing against, who's also your friend, but you're both African-American men mm-hmm. going into something that's a very small chance that you'll even make it. And yeah. to in that moment go, you know what? I'm bummed because I didn't make it, but I'm excited that you did. I, if if I wasn't going to make it, if there was anybody else in this world that got it, <laughs> it was you. And you really, I rarely hear those type of positive moments when it comes to dealing with black men. Yeah, and and even with Malcolm and, and other players from around the Los Angeles area back in that time, I, I came out of high school in 2006, but we didn't have our phones to tell us about what's happening in the world. We that that form of social media wasn't fully realized at this point. So you were getting updates from other people's stats through the newspaper or through uh, recruiting websites called Max Preps. Um, so I would able to, I would be able to see his tackle count or how many yards he got and the next guy got. So I'm looking at myself like, okay, if he's getting recruited by X Y Z. And he has these numbers. I need to get comparable numbers, but not saying, "Hey, you know, forget you mm-hmm. for you for your success." It's like, no, like I see your success is, is potentially having good returns for you. Let me see if I can do something similar to that in my own way to see if I can get the same results that you're getting. Okay. But it was never a sense of I need to be better than you or better than him. It was I see what you're doing. I respect it. Let me see if if I can apply some of what you're doing into my regimen to see if I can get similar results. Exactly. So yeah. you didn't change your trajectory. You just enhanced, you up the antes till you get into your that destination. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. So Blair, what yes. happened? He didn't get drafted. You, that's, that's your boo. Y'all got that a life. not my boo. Not, that was yeah. not my boo at the time. Uh, we I, were well, like lying to each other at this point. Uh, <laughs> oh. So anyways. Um... <laughs> I, I was looking at the situation totally differently. I was in a different state. I was not in this collegiate system. I went to an art school. So, like, sports was not something I was worried about. But my father and a lot of other men around me played in the NFL. And I just knew, like, at this point in life, none of them had anything to show for it. So I knew either way, whatever happened with him, it was going to be a very small part of his life and not, like— Something. You knew that wasn't the destination. Yeah, that was not it his was destination. So, like, cool, you can do it. But, like, what are you really about to do with life? Um, was how I was looking at it. But Did you express that to him? Was that verb? So. Was that was No, she she definitely did because there would be times <laughs> where I would be talking about what I thought would be some really big shit that's happening. Like, I also didn't know he was good. Like, I never <laughs> knew he was, like— that in her, dude in Oregon, like, okay, you're on, like, you play on the team, but, like, I didn't know his stats or anything like that. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, you can enter, but, like, what are you really going to do? Like, like I, I used to pick her up from her house to take her to summer school. Like, that's the, that's the Spencer that she remembers. Just okay. the friend, the one that's just, like, there. But then she looks on TV and she sees me, like, chucking 350-pound linemen and she's like, how are these two people the same person? Like, you're so kind when we're in the car. You're not doing yeah, I didn't know Oregon like, was a big school. Like, I just was not. I was, like, on the computer so I, drawing things. Wasn't worried about this life. So when I told her, I'm like, hey, like, we're undefeated. Hey, we're going to national championship. Hey, I'm Wait, going to Blair, did you go to the Rose Bowl, at least? Like, did Blair uh, go to the Rose Bowl when you no, went? We didn't. We, we weren't talking when I went to the Rose Bowl, but we started talking going into my last year. So okay. My, but I went to a game, year. and I wore your Rose yeah. Bowl jersey. And people wanted to touch it, and I was like, "You guys are really crazy." I mean, for her, it was just a jersey, but people <laughs> in the people in the in the stands are like, "That's a holy grail!" Like you're you're wearing an authentic Oregon jersey with the Rose Bowl veil on it, like or the Rose Bowl patch on it. Like 
to Ooh. Oregon fans, like the the, the city of Eugene, that's like that just doesn't happen. You don't just see that just walking around. <laughs> and she's so having on like Spencer, she, come, Spencer <laughs> coming over like he the man, and you like. Yeah, it no. is not that serious. <laughs> really not like, that serious. You need to fall all the way back. Yeah, like, but it that, that's the thing that made it so like in hindsight funny because I'm telling her all these things like, hey, I can't do that because I'm oh I'm playing a national championship on Tuesday. <laughs> okay, and see you like, Wednesday. Okay, <laughs> I'll talk to you on Thursday. Then. Like it'd be well, okay. little things. Like but you that. know what's good about that <laughs> is the, when we were talking about this offline just now when when it comes to relationship or your dreams, right? For you, they're huge. Right? For you, they're big. But to other people, they're not. Yeah. But you can't change your relationship with them because they ain't shit to exactly. <laughs> You can't be like, exactly. uh, girl, I'm going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Like, he also just never struck me, like in high school, he never struck me as that guy that was like, I have to make it to the NFL. This is the only thing I have going for me. This is what I do every, like, I knew he wasn't that person. So to like say like, oh, I'm just going to try this, like. It was just weird to me. It wasn't something that was like his end all be all. I knew at that point there was more to him. So okay. either way, it was a sh- like I said, a short stint in life. So yeah. when he didn't get drafted, you called her. You texted. I was there watching yeah, yeah, yeah. online. Was it wasn't there. even on TV anymore. It was online, and I was in my room and my roommate stunk. But like I was watching the thing, and like his name it never came up, and we were texting like, okay, so like no. Real talk. She's like Blair. what happens real, next? Yeah. I'm about to say real talk, Blair. Was you thinking? I told you, you should have had a backup plan. <laughs> no, I knew he had a backup plan. Like, in my mind, like, you're not going. Like, he was never the biggest name at Oregon to me, as yeah. far as I knew. So, like, no, in my mind. I absolutely wasn't. What are you really She said you do? ain't shit, Spence. No. She well, said you wasn't shit when she No, was, because when he presented he, to me, he was like, I think I'm going to just, you know, put my name in the draft. It yeah. wasn't even like, oh, I might get drafted. It was like, yeah, I'm just going to put my name in this lottery and see what happens. So, I'm like, okay, we'll see what happens. Well, but, do you think he said it? Do you think you said it that way? Because... If it didn't happen, you didn't want to be crushed? Not that. It it was just that much like the job opportunities that I had um, after my junior year, it was the best opportunity presented to me at that time. And it's something that I knew if if I did put my all into it, doors would open. And at the time, as you know, I'm, I'm 22, 21, 22, when this is all going on. I know, I knew going in, football is not a career. I never thought of football as a right. career because that's not that's not a skill that you can play, and I mean, that you can do until you're 70, 80, 80, years, 80 years old and retire. It's a job that you can play for, if you're lucky, five years. If okay. you have an iconic career in the NFL, is like 10 plus. If you can get to 10 plus, you're like a legend. Only quarterbacks play, and like the random linebacker will play 14 plus. And the kicker. And the kicker, exactly, but... <laughs> That was something that, and I've I've seen horror stories of people that have gone into the league and came out lesser than because they put their all into that sport. So, for me, being from a football family, like my dad and uncles were coaches, my older brother is still the best football player I've ever seen, and had to medically retire. He was a lineman. Um, I just knew that I couldn't rely on football to be my end all. So, just coming into it, like. Yes, it was the best opportunity presented to me. I had other things that could have manifested, but this was like the bright, shiny car. It's like, like, why not see if you can take it for a spin? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't get drafted. You had four months to train. Mm-hmm. What was going on with you guys in that time? Uh, I was just more like, I was just like courting her more. Um, okay. <laughs> I was just hanging out. I was home for the summer. 
It was something to do. Did you see something in him change? Did you? Like, I definitely saw something on? in him change, but it wasn't like a change that was ex- it had anything to do with me. It was like, oh, I'm happy to see my friend has graduated and he's my getting friend. serious about life. Did, she doing me back then? <laughs> That's where we were. Blair's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, look, we married with kids. Like, yeah. Don't be trying to change the past. Yeah, let me tell right the story. Let's go tell the story. <laughs> Uh, I was very happy to see him maturing because I was still in school. So that's still what my mind was. And I was like, oh, this is a great example of like what to do next. Okay, so during the four months when he didn't get drafted, because he said he upped the ante in those four months with your training Mm -hmm. and extracting everything you saw from your friend that Mm -hmm. won for him. So are you looking at him like, okay, you're still doing it. That's cool. But. What's this other thing over here that we talked about before? You didn't get drafted. I no, you're not really putting any energy towards that other thing. Well, I also no. to I don't I want to answer for you, but the fact that we were in the NFL lockout and there was no yeah. communication that gave us sort of that that gray area to put our all or my all into the sport because we needed to know whether there wasn't a definitive answer. Yeah. There wasn't a team saying no, you cannot try out for us. Like, that just didn't happen. So we had to wait until essentially the lockout was over to to find our worth in that league. Mm-hmm. So once the lockout ended, I think it was like July like 21st or 22nd or so, uh, I was driving to work out on La Cienega. And my dad texts me. He goes, hey, I think the lockout's about to end. I'm watching ESPN right now. They said it could end by in like literally the next 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to go work out. Hopefully I get a call from teams. Not 10 minutes later, I started getting—I got maybe eight phone calls in 10 minutes from NFL teams. So I pulled over to the side of the road, and I'm I'm literally, like, fielding these calls in the middle of Los Angeles, like, rush hour. And I turned around and went home because I'm like, I need to to talk to my grandfather, talk to my mom and my my dad about this. Like, in the span of 24 hours, I went from pulling over to the side of La Cienega to stepping off of a plane in New York. Wow. Yeah. I went to Ross and bought the biggest suitcase <laughs> I could find. And I was just like chucking clothes into into my suitcase because it went from the same everyday, you know, four month thing to, oh, wait, now your life's about to change. You're about to fly 3000 miles to a city you've never been to before to try for a team that probably never really watched you play right. because of the time difference. That's life now. (laughs) So there's something there. People have to recognize, especially since the whole point of this is for people to have a lesson and what, you know, in reference to chasing their dreams, you had to be prepared for that opportunity. Had you been stuck on the fact that four months prior that the phone call didn't come? And one time I saw, for example, Will Smith had posted and he said it before in an interview that I never had a plan B. I put everything into plan A because I knew plan A was going to work and Mm -hmm. I was going to make plan A work. Mm -hmm. And so for you, you had a plan A and a plan B, but even though plan A didn't work immediately. Actually, you had a plan A, B, and went C, and then went back to B. Um, but when you realized, you know, hey, I didn't get the phone call, you upped the antics, you went further, but you had to be prepared for you didn't, at that point, you haven't even made it to the NFL. You made it to audition. You made yeah, it to yeah. the tryout, right? right? Yeah. So you had to be prepared for the tryout. Yeah. So someone else could have easily, I know me, I probably been like, boo <laughs> and just sitting down eating ice cream for the next four months. <laughs> they called me and I'm like, what? I done gained 15 pounds. I can't run as fast. Like these yeah. things. So that says a lot about you for as sure, far a as. testament to him and like an athlete and just their dedication to every single day. Well, what's, what's interesting is that year, 
the Giants had eight rookies on their roster. And that that doesn't happen in uh, football, I mean, NFL, because a lot of those spots are taken up by vets. But mm-hmm. what was one thing that was sort of a casualty of that lockout is the guys that were already essentially fed, that had the contracts that were already in the league, they're like, oh, we can we see this more as an extended vacation now. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely, I, I take it as a, a, a calculated leap of faith and just doing your homework because when I signed with the Giants, the months before that, I looked at every team and said, okay, who needs a linebacker that can give them my, that I can give my uh, skill set to? I'm a leaner linebacker. I was at 235, I believe, 6'3". So taller, leaner, can run with tight ends, uh, slot receivers. There are just certain things that I knew I can do better than a linebacker coming out of the SEC, which is more like smash mouth, heavy handed, slower paced football. So when the Giants called, they're actually at the top of my list because I read articles of, oh, outside linebacker got injured and they're looking for a linebacker in the draft and all this stuff. So the the Cowboys, the Giants, and I forget the other team, they didn't end up calling me the, the last team. But when the Giants called me, it kind of like binged on my radar because I'm like, oh, you guys need me, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I know that maybe I'm sort of an unknown over there, but my skill set, one thing that one saying in football is like film doesn't lie. So you guys saw something on film to want you guys to bring me in. I saw something in articles and just doing my homework that you need somebody like me. I'm a better fit there than I am in Denver or. So this is the ultimate job interview is what's about to happen. For sure. Like when when people go to job interviews and they're like they have the questions at the end they're like do you have any questions and people are shocked when yeah I do because even though you're hiring me I don't want to waste my time at this company either so let me get some questions from you so this is like the ultimate job interview right now okay so you get on a plane and it's not just a one day interview it's it's a month yeah so wait you get you put you have 24 hours all of this stuff change Mm -hmm. so one people have to be prepared for the opportunity yes but prepared doing what they did but when you went to elope when you didn't win at first mm-hmm. you had to add to what you were doing yes. right yes. to be prepared for today for that day yeah during that one month what was your mindset what was going on <laughs> like what everything first off were you still talking to blair every day uh when i could yeah. when i could and that's Ooh, so something changed <laughs> hold on no, wait hold on you gotta you gotta understand when it comes to fall camp you're on clock from 7 a.m to 9.30 p.m. Lights out at 11 o'clock. So you can't have your phone in the meetings room, in the meeting room. You can't have your phone out on practice. So that hour break that I would get every five hours would send her like, hey, hope your day's going good. Like, I'm tired. I'm beat to shit. But like, he wasn't trying. He wasn't caking, huh? He was giving them, I'm just here live. I still, I mean, I'm still. No, I wasn't getting long paragraphs anymore, but that was fine with me. I was fine but she but and, and that's something that we we've we've talked to our friends around the league about just knowing that when it when fall camp comes in a relationship you have focus your energy that yeah, ha- like sure. that is the food on the table so mm-hmm. the energy has to be focused on that so, so to all men and women listen to this you have, well couples listening to this when it's game time for your <laughs> for your partner to get in chill, you know, chill out it's cool chill that you you know text today just, right. just do your little check in game yeah. time finals in college well, it's game time look you preparing for the future <laughs> I mean, I mean, we've, we've talked with people and they're like 
oh, I would love for him to talk to me more. I would love for, for her to understand that, you know, this is my job right now. So one thing that we talk a lot with when it comes to just our friends that have played in the league with us or, or not, it's like when something of that magnitude is on the table, like it's all hands on deck. So yes, I can't talk to you for seven hours and, and bullshit with you for seven hours. Like I'm on the field, like hitting people and mm-hmm. running and studying. And, and when I do have a chance, a free couple hours, like I have to sleep to regenerate. Like she understood that. And I think that's what makes us work so well is she knows that I have what's best for us in the back of my head at all times. Okay. I don't compromise on that. Blind so, trust. Exactly. For sure. So sure. when I tell her like, hey, even to this day, there are days where I have to leave the house at 6.30 in the morning and I don't get home until 10.30 or, mm-hmm. or there's some nights 2 a.m., 3 a.m. being on set. She knows that. So I don't have to send that text to her like, hey, thinking of you. Like she knows I'm thinking of her. Yeah. She knows that. Because why would you be on set from 6 a.m. to <laughs> 2, 2 a.m. Right. the next day unless. Who else are you trying to feed? Yeah, like <laughs> clearly I'm thinking about you. That's actually what got me here. I'm still here. But I, I mean, even for myself, like I go through those like mental gymnastics too because I feel bad because I'm away uh, so much. Like we have a two-year-old daughter. We have a son coming uh, in the next couple months. Like, I sometimes feel like maybe I can be home a little bit more. But she's the one that says, like, listen, if we're going to live the life we want to live, like, you have to do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, she understands that. And that's what I think, again, that's what makes us work so much is because she allows me to focus on building us up to where I think we can go in this life. I well, feel you're like tired. This, she's pushing you. This period of life is more important than football like this right now is more so his career than football was so why would I stress him and want him you know want more right now when he's setting us up for later on okay like there's nothing there's nothing funnier slash worse than a guy in the locker room arguing with his girl like in between meetings like on the phone saying like oh you don't understand like I have to do this blah 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 Mm -mm. I'm like that's just energy that you're wasting on that conversation that could be spent in your in your playbook on the field. And you're the guy with the crazy girl. Now. And you're the guy with yeah. the crazy girl in the locker room. So, thank God we have never, never had, had that. that. Like, I never had, had that. One time I was dating somebody and it was like, I need to talk to you about something. And I went, not today when I got this big picture going exactly. on. You better holler at me on Thursday about exactly. it. And he was like, no, this is really important. It ain't more important than this pitch. Mm-hmm. I, and I went, before you open your mouth to tell me what you have to tell me, is it going to stop me from what I have to do? Is it going to distract me? Is it it don't even matter. I got to take this into my own hands. <laughs> Unless Jesus done came back, it's, I'll see you on Absolutely. Thursday. And Absolutely. then when he told me on Thursday, I was like, boy, if you had told me that before my meeting, I want to, ooh, I've been hot. So, okay, you're, the 30 days that you tried out, yes. you make the team. Make the team. What was that? Did you reach your dream? What happened? I'm in the NFL. I mean, it was it was absolute elation. Um I don't. It, I'm. I'm having such flashbacks right now, but <laughs> I remember. So how it works is, at the end of the last preseason game, they tell everybody in the locker room, like, "Hey, over these next course, a uh, couple days, we're going to cut the roster down from like 80 people to 53." If you get a phone call from us, be prepared to bring your playbook and every and your materials to the facility to turn them in, and we'll get you set up on your flight home or whatever. If you do not get a call from us, congratulations. You made the team if you don't get a call from us after 6 p.m., I think it was the time. So the whole day, especially the last day of um, of cuts, 
not hearing from somebody is the best thing. Don't call me. Don't call me. That's the toughest thing. Blair Blair better not call me today. Make me think I'm getting that phone call. Mm -hmm. So it's like you tell your fam, like, hey, I love y'all, but do not call me until I call you. Like, don't, we're not talking until I call you. Like, I'll text you guys, but don't ask me how everything's going because you know I'm a nervous wreck right now. So six o'clock rolls around and I still don't believe it. Um, Actually, even before that, a coach called me. Like, the 201 number calls me, and I'm like, you know what? Like, that's it. Like, I gave it my all. Like, they know what I can do. Hopefully, you I can catch the phone? team. You were trying not to answer the no, phone? No, you don't want to answer it, but <laughs> I was in my hotel room, and uh, team, uh, my roommate, uh, Gerard Tarrant, was he's safety at a Georgia Tech. So he calls me, and I'm like, fuck, I gave him my all. <laughs> calls me and goes, hey, Spencer. Yes? Do you know where Gerard is? <laughs> Uh, he just he just went downstairs to grab something. I don't know when he's going to be back. Oh, can you tell him to call us when he gets back? Wait, hold on. I said Wait, you got a phone card. It wasn't for you. It was else. to see where my roommate was. I guess they called my roommate. He didn't pick up. So after he said, hey, "Can you let him? Can you tell him to call us when he gets back up there?" I said, "Honestly, coach, I can't do that." Because 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 in this moment, I just realized I made it. Yeah. Now I'm in the reverse position that I was in four months ago with my boy. Well, not even that I made it was that like, uh, y'all could still get me like because at this point there's still like two hours left. I'm like, y'all could still get me. I'm, my name but, ain't like, up. I'm not gonna help y'all I'm not get gonna somebody do the dirty else. Work. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, y'all gotta y'all gotta do that. I can't. I'm a nervous wreck right now. I can't. I can't be the reaper. That's what we call it. When you get cut, it's like the reaper came for you. Like, I can't be the reaper for somebody, somebody that's else. in the same position as me. Okay. So uh, he ended up getting released, and 6 o'clock rolls around. I still don't believe it. I'm still like, nah, this is the NFL. They can they can probably squeeze an extra five minutes out of this. Like, <laughs> it's like something's happening. So um, a good friend of mine, Henry Hanoski, he was a, he was a fullback, was a football fullback with us. Uh, his agent called him and said he got the updated roster somehow and our names were on it. And that was the moment where, like, I started, you know, tears coming down my eye, my mom calling me. Oh, yeah, and I tell my mom, right. like, I told you I called you, but, like, <laughs> yeah, we made it. Okay. And it was just a moment of, like, man, I lost in the national championship not more than, like, nine months before this, earlier, eight months before that. Like, the, dealing with the lockout, working out to— I don't Well, know not making it happen. first, then dealing with the lockout. Not making, like, everything built up to that moment to where it was just, like, a, a big wusa moment. Um, yeah, it was, it was just insane because— So you have to keep going. People need to know you have to keep going on yeah. your journey. Like, your, yeah. your dreams aren't going to manifest necessarily in the timeline. In, in fact, I don't I honestly know anybody that they happen in a timeline that you think that's going to happen. Yeah, and it so, never does. You have to constantly, like, reassess what's needed on this journey to keep going. Mm -hmm. So, but once you get to the dream, I think a lot of people, especially, and we're going to talk about you being in the entertainment industry, a lot of people think they see someone on TV, oh, you made it. Are you in a movie? And you made it. Now the work starts. So the way I like to describe it is there's a mountain, and the rest of the world sees the mountain, but there's clouds. And everyone thinks the top of the mountain is right where those clouds are. But the people, when you're on the journey and you realize, like, when you made it to the NFL, all I did was make it to the cloud. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's a whole nother Mm -hmm. 2,000 feet I got to go. Like, so you're in that first year because the whole first rookie year is pretty much a big, is it a continuation of the first 30 days? Like, it's a big audition, a constant. It's it's still yeah. an audition. Every like day Every day of every year isn't still an audition. So there's really no let up unless you're that. That guy. That guy. That no guy. break. 
Every day you got to be ready. Seven days a week. Like the the names, the names that you know in the league, you can probably rattle off 10 or 15 names. Those are the names that are like set. Whether (laughs) everybody else. Some of those names don't even come to camp half the time and they're set. For the other 99% of the league, it's a tryout. And if you mess up, they will get somebody in there that can do the job that you didn't do. So that day. Although it, it sounds messed up, but like you can get you can make it to six o'clock. But now the team has eight days to get their f- opening day roster. So you can make the team and still get cut in that week. Oh my god. That's why it's still sort that of that anxiety. line. Yeah. So it, it's really not until you step onto that field. Sunday afternoon, and you're like, wow, I'm playing in a game right now. Like, I made this opening day roster. But any day after that, I'm you still get cut. It resets every day. Every single every day, day it gets cut. So if you if you, if you you miss that tackle, if you drop that interception, if you have that mental error on the field, you're thinking, like, there's each team has a room filled of analysts. All they do is they comb through players. They look and see what players are doing good on other teams. How can they get those players over to this team? What college players are coming out next year that they can – potentially grab what players are in free agency right now that they can pick up it's a constant assessment so if you mess up more than once maybe even one time there's a booklet of 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 outside linebackers that they can just flip the script and like okay he can't get this coverage right this guy can because he showed it on film that he did that coverage three weeks ago against the Raiders let's bring him in and kick Spencer to the curb so it's dealing with that it's dealing with that pressure but not allowing it to sort of crumble you Okay, so you're not, even though you're showing up every day doing what you need to do, you're you're not taking into consideration the entire book that's sitting on their desk. No, like you, you can't. ain't looking at that. Though I gotta focus on me. I gotta be my best. Be my best. I, you can't do that. I've seen players as soon as they mess up, they're like they do that uh, like half honest joke of, oh, now they're gonna cut me. Oh, it's not cool. Here. Like, <laughs> oh, do you you saw you saw coach you saw coach looking at me after I missed that tackle. Oh, I'm out of here. I'm like, bro, you can't talk to yourself like that. Because if you talk to yourself like that, like, in in joking with us, like, what are your real thoughts saying? That's an internal monologue, exactly. which actually my first podcast is about that. So, I mean, I've I've seen that from so many players that had the measurables. They phys- just physical beasts could do anything they could on the field, but when it comes to their minds, like they were they were slave to that idea of I'm one play away from getting cut, which okay. was like it's there. That threat is always there. But you have to ignore it if you want to get where you want to go. Did you have to, re- while you were playing that first year, did you have to constantly reassess yourself the way you did during the four months? Did you do that for yourself? Did you did you Every, physically yeah. check yourself aside from the coaches reviewing you? Physically, physically, mentally... Every day, every every couple of weeks, it was that okay. What am I? What am I doing that could be a liability for this team? And that's something that, in talking as I got older in the league and talking with the young guys, I would always say you want to get to a point where you can be undeniable for a coach. So when that cut day comes and they're combing through every name in the list, that's this is what they do. They look at your name. They go. What's his what's his strong points? What's his weak points? What do we think he can get better at? What what are things that like we know he won't ever be able to do? Is he an asset or a liability to this team? Can we trust him? But the can we trust him part to me is the strongest thing because there have been times I've been thrown in situations where I had no business being out there, but the coach looked at me, he goes, I know you can get this done. I know you know what you have to do, and I don't have to worry about you because I'm worrying about a thousand other things today that mm-hmm. I know if I can put you over here. That's one less thing I have to worry about. 
So I always talk to my talk to like the young guys that were on the team. Like you need to get to a point where a coach can look at your name and say, this guy's an asset. He does 85% of what we want him to do. The other 15%, he physically just can't do it, but we'll take that 85% out of him instead of taking 40% from somebody else that is, again, a physical beast. But you don't know what he's going to do on the field. So, but they can't trust you unless you trust yourself. Exactly. And not having the internal monologue you were saying some guys have, where they're like half you have one foot in, one foot out, because yes. you're always worried about whether or not you're going to get cut. Yes. Right. So what was going on with you guys doing this year? Where were we at in this relationship? So that first year was still like she would come. She was still in college. <laughs> I got she got flewed out a couple yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> Real talk, Blair. Real talk. Spence made the lead. <laughs> He made the league, but... You gave him I, a point? You gave him a cool point? No. I don't give a damn about no. you making a league. Because I still knew it was, like, real right now. And it wasn't, like... It didn't have anything to do with me at the time. Like, that was his trajectory. That's great. But, like, yeah. I'm in college, so I'm like, cool, I'll go to New York for the weekend. Yeah. Sounds great. But, like, also, like, I never presented football... How I Well, how I presented football to her when I was in college and training and then got to the league never changed. Okay. It was. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a New York Giant now. Like <laughs> he never got fall a chain, in line. Like, like I didn't. I didn't do that. Funny. It was like. Do people do that? His I earrings didn't people, get bigger. People. Like his. He didn't buy the Range Rover. He didn't like. We just weren't those people. It's like texting. Like, hey, I practice. I'll hit you up in three hours. It's your job. It was. It, that's it's like just if you was, was a doctor. And I'm in surgery would, right now. Blah blah blah. We would talk about like, how's your day going? Like, what what's happening just in the world? Like, what's happening between us? There was also with a our time difference. So like the time difference on the like, West Coast, he would be going to sleep at like. 5 p.m. So I still had a whole day of like, what am I going to, like, it wasn't a, this my, my dude, like, oh, I'm excited. It was cool. Like, (laughs) I'm happy for you. This is great. I'm going to come see you this weekend because San Francisco sucks. But I will say like, cool. During that first season, that's when we started to realize that this could be more um, than just these casual one-offs just hanging out when we decide to that there were times where, you know, she would come out for, from Thursday to Sunday and then push her flight back an extra week and do all her like classes through satellite and turn in, <laughs> have friends turn in her work that she said because why we, be we, in like, San Francisco when I could be yeah. in New York one but also like we were definitely getting closer yeah this is still just dating and courting this was dang Blair this was, this Blair he was flying See? dang he, I, I was on your See? side at the beginning but dang you was doing my boy no, dirty I was I being mean, honest with him though because no, either we way were, we, we were, were gonna be friends I couldn't be like faking it and be like, mm, I'm about to have a good time, whatever, because yeah. when I went home and everything was said and done, he was still, like, we were still in the same circle of friends, so I had to be honest oh, with myself. With yeah. Like, my phone was still ringing. I couldn't be like, yeah, this She was not ready dude. to clear the roster. I wasn't ready, but, and he knew that. Because football was not a guarantee. She needed to, mm. But even with, even, like, when we did show that affection or even the PDA, like, there was a time when she literally said, like, hey, this is getting too deep. I don't really need this right now. Like, let's go back to being friends. So we had a couple months in there where we still hung out a lot, but there wasn't that same, like, affection. This is why you were, where you were in New York? A little bit of both. Wow. So, so wait a minute. Hold on. But it, I, I got to go back. But, I got to go back. Because the whole, this is all about getting to the dream, right? And I'm just thinking about you, you have these stops along your way, right? Mm-hmm. If we, and I, and I use the analogy, we live in LA and for me, 
my dream, I never really tell people exactly what it is because mm-hmm. I have a difficulty allowing others' opinions impact my actual dream. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I call it New York. Mm-hmm. For years, I called my dream New York. And I would tell people, oh, I'm moving to New York. And then I've had family. I had my mom one time, the first time I went, oh, I'm moving to New York. She was like, everybody knows my mom is vulgar. So. <laughs> She goes, bitch, you're going to freeze to death. <laughs> she was like, you know they got cold water flats, and I'm not helping you pay your That's rent. That's real life. Like, she told me these things, and it didn't bother me. And I remember I had a friend of mine was like, damn, your mom is harsh. And I'm like, That's why I call my dream New York. Mm. I never, my dream was never to move to New York. But what it was is, and I always say, I can fly, I can walk, I can catch a Greyhound bus, I can catch a train, mm-hmm. I can... So dif- so many different ways to get to New York, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But each one of those ways require a, a different set of tools, and you have to face a different set of obstacles. The, it's easy to say, oh, well, the cheapest way right now would be to fly, right? But if I went to New York in the middle of the cold with no coat, I'm going to freeze to death yeah. if I'm not prepared. And if I drive, I get to decide where I stop for gas, how long I stop, if I go back, or I get to decide the route. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have the right tires during the wintertime, am I driving through Montana? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take the southern route. That's going to take me longer. <laughs> but then, I'm like, seriously, right, when you think about That's it. True. Or I could say, well, you know what? I could take the Greyhound. Well, everyone knows the experience on the Greyhound, so it's like, mm, that has a whole other set of obstacles <laughs> I don't want to deal with. Or I could take the scenic route and be the most rested and take the train. Yeah. But I don't get to determine where I stop and how long I stop. Yeah. So you have to be willing to decide what route you're going to take and if you have if you're prepared for the obstacles of that particular route, mm-hmm. right? And so you're saying right now, okay, you're in New York. Every day you have this anxiety. Every day you're having this internal monologue. The person that you're kind of is your vent, this other person you're dealing with. She comes and she goes, look, this is getting too much. <laughs> like, what does that do? Like, what? I was still like, there for him. We could st- I was still that, like, person for him. Yeah. But I still had to be that person for myself as well. No, I... My situation was totally different. But, uh, but, I understand her side because, you know, obviously we're both women. I understand that side. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, like, from the male perspective, mm-hmm. what does that do when it's, like, the only thing in your world that didn't have anxiety? Just be like... Well, she it, just became a part of the rest of the group. That actually, <laughs> that actually, because at the end, at the end of the day, you could be honest, Ben. By the time, now. no, I'm, I'm being, I'm being 100 honest right now. At the end of the day, at this point, we had already known each other for about eight years as friends, and even going into whatever it was we were going to at that point, like I knew I could not mess up the friendship that was here. So if that was to sacrifice a potential relationship for the friendship, I was completely fine with that. So when she did say that, it was uh, like, okay, I'll fall back, but like, I'm still hit you up because like you're still like one of my closest friends yeah. in the world. And, yeah, like, I was weaning off each other. She and wouldn't you, you want didn't that. Have the time in the day to be sitting around thinking like. Yeah, like she wouldn't what? have wanted that. She wouldn't have wanted me to just like go radio silent on on her. Like neither would I because. At this point, we have built up each other just through like daily talking that it was just part of our daily regimen yeah. to talk to each other. Yeah. And maybe there wasn't as much flirting going on as, as prior, but. That's why your marriage is so beautiful because you have such you. a strong Thank friendship. You. Yeah, Thank for you. sure. For sure. Yeah. But like the friendship was at, was at the, that's ground zero of our relationship. So okay. even to this day, like she's still my best friend. So I think just. At that time of trying to figure out like where I fit with the Giants and where we were together, like 
yes, we weren't showing like outward affection to each other, like just openly just throwing it out there. There was <laughs> there were moments. <laughs> there were moments, but like I still had my friend. Yeah. And that was at the time the most important thing. Okay. So the end of your rookie year, y'all win the Super Bowl. Yes. You yeah. wait, so hold on, let's roll this back, everybody. <laughs> Twelve months before, you didn't even get a phone call. Yeah. So yeah. you made it to your goal. You made it to your dream, first off. The dream became a goal when you upped your antics mm -hmm. and changed your, not your trajectory, but you changed your commitment to it. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. you, <laughs> you reach goal, step number one. I didn't get a, I didn't get a phone call on this day after six o'clock. Okay, I made the team. You go through the entire season. Y'all win the goddamn Super Bowl, Spence. Yeah. Year one, you win a Super You ain't got nowhere else to go. <laughs> so what yeah. happens? You win a Super Bowl. Are y'all together yet? This that was around the time where she started to come around and being like, "This guy makes me happy. Like, why am I running from this?" Like, so you won twice in the same year. You got two chances. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you want to tell it or? We don't have time for that story. Oh, okay. Just, okay. Okay. That's yeah. That's a good story. You don't like that. Story. Is that the good story? Or? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was that was that was a. Uh, Are you talking about New Year's Eve? Yeah, New Year's oh, Eve. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. That was a great story. Yes. I we we invited all of our friends out to New York for New Year's Eve because he was like, you know, I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. This is great. Let's have a great time. And you're enjoying the journey. This yeah, is like our first time. This is about six of us of uh, my friends. Half of us were like just entering the workforce, like a year out of college. Like some of us were in our last year of college. Some have been out for a year or two. So for me it was like I'm going to the Super Bowl. This is all amazing. Or we're going at this point. It was the going playoffs, to the playoffs. Yeah, while like, we're here, amazing. Like, it's New York enjoy in the it winter. Like fly everybody. Not fly everybody. Else. Like, they got their own stuff. They got their own flights. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not that type of friend. Yeah. But everybody came out, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Is just having like six of my closest friends with me, um, bringing in the new year, and just being with me in New York while I'm playing a game and going through New Year celebration and. It was just so much fun, and I think that was the turning point for her because... Yeah, the last night we went to dinner, and yeah. I was sitting there, and it, everybody was supposed to be leaving the next day, and I was looking at... I wasn't really talking to everybody. I was looking at him, and I was just like, why am I, like, keeping this happiness at a distance? Like, what is it? And I had no reason at that point. So, Not to. Yeah. Then you were still in school? I, I was still in school, uh-huh. And I um, was looking at my phone, and I looked at him, like, kind of off to the side and was like, should I just change my ticket and push my ticket back? And he was like, yeah. I, like, <laughs> I so, up. So I'm like, of course I want to have you like out here for an extra week. Like, why wouldn't I? Yeah, that was kind of the turning point, I think, for but an actual relationship. That's when I say, like, work to become undeniable. Which Ooh. is then... I wait, mean, hey. wait, hold on. So, did Spencer try to do you like the team does him? Like, he tried to play, okay, assets and liability. Can I trust her? <laughs> she but was doing that to me. Tried to do, yeah. tried to try, he, you tried to do the checklist. Y'all was doing the checklist on each other. No. I, I mean, you definitely were. Doing the checklist. I mean, you, but that's, that's, I mean, that's, just, that's just what it, but that, I mean, that's, that's honest. Life, like, though. And I feel like everybody should do that. I you agree. You shouldn't go into a relationship if you're not assessing the pros and cons of it. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think. And prepared to deal with the obstacles and exactly. prepared to, if mm -hmm. you accept someone, accept people as is, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people like, this ain't, 
it's funny because I literally just told one of my friends that was complaining about her boyfriend. I was like, girl, you do know this ain't, you didn't buy something from Best Buy and you got a nine, you got a 90 day warranty, one year warranty. Mm-hmm. I was like, go. you got, exactly, right? I was like, you have to think of it this way. When you go in the, this particular individual has personal traumas they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I was like, when you're dealing with somebody that has traumas that they haven't overcome, you have to think of it as instead of it being, it's an open box item. Mm -hmm. It's an open box item that you still can return, Mm -hmm. but you bought it as, you know what I'm saying? You bought it with its defects. Mm -hmm. It ain't an as is item where you bought it as is, and then you found out some new stuff and then you don't want to be with it and you can't return it. That's not how it works. I was like, you're out here buying open box items. Mm -hmm. You can still return it, but you can't return it for a problem you knew it had when you bought it. I'm a believer in every single relationship with every person, everything, every anything has a season like mm-hmm. it could be a long or short season but it has a season and it's gonna come and go okay let that thing go that's just yeah that's just what it is so that year you're in the playoffs mm-hmm. and you're about to go to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. but obviously you don't know you're going to the Super Bowl and so I wanna the reason I wanna bring up this particular section of your career mm-hmm. is I think when we look so much so focused on the destination that we miss the stops along the way, but how important those stops are. Yeah. And I haven't g- have dated someone in the in, in in the NFL before, and something that he used to always say was, "I can't look at next week. I got a game in two days." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every he's like, I, "This is a week to week thing. Yeah. Like I can't focus on this team, blah blah blah." Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he would watch yeah. the news or he would watch ESPN, and they'll be saying something like about a team that's coming up and this person gonna go toe-to-toe with him and these problems yeah. and he'd be like I can't worry about that Boy, I got a game in two days if we don't win this game you know like same thing I'm not gonna be yeah. I ain't gonna have a job next week the players are worried what, about very different things than what they talk about on ESPN yeah, yeah. Like, very different it's it's common that most players in the league like don't know who their next opponent opponent is because they're so hyper-focused on the opponent of that week that when reporters are like are you worried about Tom Brady in two weeks. I'm like, Miss, I, I don't know. even know who I'm playing next week. Like, I'm worried about the game that's happening on Sunday, not the game happening ten days from now. So with the playoffs, you weren't worried. you're not even thinking about the destination of the Super Bowl. You know it's in the trajectory. That's your team's goal. Yes. But I'm focused on doing what I need to do at this particular stop, which is playoff week one. Yes, and and that was and and just we went to we had the Falcons at home. We went to Green Bay, and then we went to the 49ers. And that was our Super Bowl route, essentially. But it's when I go home. So there's no way you can think about that next game because Every that week next is game the Super Bowl. probably doesn't exist. Every game right. is the Super Bowl. So in terms of my prep, it was, okay, again, I felt like I cut the bullshit, essentially, again. like already. But it was like, okay, where can I continue to trim fat on this? Because now we're, we're one of the eight or nine teams or whatever that made it to the playoffs it's as good as anybody's at this point. So Are you back into the 30 days with like how you were communicating no, with Blair? Like, Blair, look, these no. next three weeks, I know we just decided to be together, but. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. But it was just more so like, can I, if, if there's an extra hour to study, like, can I get that extra hour in? Oh, let, maybe not go to sleep at 1115 like I usually do 11 or so. Maybe I get to bed at 1030, uh, 10 okay. o'clock, and just to feel a little bit more rested. Let me stay at the facility an extra hour to do rehab just mm-hmm. so I can get my body up. So, so taking care of your mind yes. and your body yes. throughout this entire process and fighting. Because when you hear about people reaching their goals, you don't hear about their journey. No, people, everybody know. wants to be Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be Halle Berry, but no one wants to go through that journey that Kevin Hart took to become Kevin Hart or Halle Absolutely. Berry. Mm-hmm. And I think that the I think 
the generation after me, that's something that they miss. Everybody, not everyone, but I think the world makes it very easy with technology for mm-hmm. us to see the the end goal of people, mm-hmm. but you don't see everything that went behind that. Yeah. And absolutely. everything you had to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's something that even even today, I catch myself comparing myself to people I have no business comparing myself to. Just in, in it was in sports at some point, and now it's in the entertainment industry where I'm looking at X, Y, Z, and I'm like, "Dang, they got this! They got that show! Oh, they just got proof for another show! Like, man, that's cool! I wish I could, wish yeah. I could do that too." But I'm looking at it like I was looking at my my friend in high school, Malcolm. It was like, "Well, let me see how I can get that out of what I'm already doing, not necessarily, oh, like I'm mad that you have that." It was no, you have that. Like I, I want something similar to that. Like mm-hmm. let me put it through my process and see and see if I can get that. You get that. But it's easy for people to just stop at. You have that. I want that. I'm mad that you have that because I don't have it. Or they try to take the other person's journey. Exactly. And it's not the same because mm-hmm. you don't. Or they try to build the other person's three bedroom, two and a half bath house. You don't have the right tools to build their house. Exactly. So you win the Super Bowl. That's mm-hmm. the all-time high. Mm-hmm. Not only did you make it to the league, which was the dream that became yes. a goal you accomplished. Now, once you're here, you're like, of course I want to win a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah. But you're one piece of a puzzle. You're mm-hmm. one piece of everybody, the 2,000-piece puzzle when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, you're one yeah, piece yeah. of it. Like, this all has to work together, right? Yeah. Um, and you have to do your part for the pieces to come together. Mm-hmm. You win a Super Bowl. You can't go anywhere past that in the NFL. What happens the next year? So, the, I mean, the next year was, you know, we we didn't even make the playoffs the next year. Okay. And it, it was definitely a humbling experience because when you reach that success so early, things sometimes can feel easy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, wait, I won a Super Bowl in my first year? Like, why don't I just get a couple more of these <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and dip? Like, this is what there – are, there are Hall of Fame players that have never won a Super Bowl. There are, you know, the some of the best players in the league right now don't have a Super Bowl ring. I got one as a, a mainly a special teams player in my first year, so and didn't even think about going to the league. Think about until... it. it was like I just want to get into the league, and now oh, I find myself in the Super Bowl. And now confetti is falling, and I'm smiling, I'm crying, and everything. It's like, well, this is cool. Let's do this again. Let's do this again next year. We didn't. I'm. I've only been to playoffs one time since then. Okay. So. It was definitely, uh, although I knew that it was very hard to get to the Super Bowl. Because you did it. You're like, it ain't yeah, that hard. Like, oh, I could do it again. I can definitely do this a couple more times. This is fun. Like This whole journey is fun. Let's do it again. But that's just a testament to the NFL being like the best of the best because it can happen to any team at any time. And with, with injuries, with people peaking at the right time, like the ball can bounce any which way. So... That was something my second, my third, even my fourth year was like, why are we not in, in the playoffs right now? At least in the playoffs. Like, what is going on? We already did it. We know what it's like to be there and we know the stakes that come with it. Like, how are we not there again? So that was definitely a learning curve for me when it when it came to overall prep. Because going into my going into my third year, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit, but um, at the, well, at the end of my third year, I started the last like two or three games of the season. Going into, or yes, going into my third year, or going. Into, I'm sorry, I'm messing this up. Going into my second year, I started the last couple games of the season. Okay. My third year, that was the year I started like like 13 out of 16 games. So that's the year you left them. Uh, I left them my fourth year. year. Okay. But essentially, it was like okay, now I'm a starter. I went from like being a role player to a starter where. 
I have the headset on defense. I'm calling out the plays. Like guys that I looked up to my whole football career are looking at me like, Spencer, what's the call? Like you are essentially turning into the leader of this defense. And they that trusted you. And that's, trusted a, that's a lot of pressure. It, absolutely. And frankly, like, and I'll be honest, I wasn't ready for it. Uh, and I've I've been open with that too. I feel like a lot of players aren't honest with themselves when it comes to playing. It comes from that I have a chip on my shoulder. I'm playing because I'm going against everybody that ever doubted me. And I can do everything in the world that any player can do because I'm the best. Like, some players aren't real with themselves and they don't talk about their limitations as much. I knew at that moment as a as a third-year NFL player that was mainly a special teams player that kind of got the roam the headset because we really didn't have any other viable options. Like, I wasn't ready for that. So I tried so many different ways to study, to, to learn the game through other people's eyes that I got away from what made me successful in the league up to that point, which was mainly special teams. Mm-hmm. Like when you get into the league, everybody wants to be the, the, the starting linebacker and and have 100 tackles and, and be that dude. But I realized going into my, probably my fourth year, into my third, fourth year, was like, I'm my most happiest in this league when I'm only really on special teams and being a viable backup to the starters on defense. So your dream, your relationship with your dream is shifting. It definitely you're shifting. You're living the dream way. and you're like, this isn't actually what I thought it was going to be, but I'm still happy to be here. But, but it's also it's also something that you at the time I couldn't say openly because everybody in the league, again, wants to be the all-star. Like imagine somebody being in the locker room like, oh, man, I can't wait to be a role player. Like that doesn't happen in our culture. Our culture yeah. is always like, hey, you need to get on the pedestal, get to the highest pedestal. You need everybody to look at you. You need the lights, camera, action on you. They don't shed light on the people that are like, no, I'm kind of fine where I am right now. Like, this is good. Mm-hmm. So when they did give me that position, I respected it. I studied my ass off. I played as hard as I could. But I knew deep down it was just something that, like, this isn't for you me. Wasn't I wasn't happy with it. I was actually happier playing mainly special teams and backing up the defensive starters. Like, totally so, fine with that. So, Spencer, did your dream change from being in the NFL to just actually reaching happiness? That's what it was. That's what it was. Do you it think was, most people have their dream as a destination and it's really a stop? Yes, so 100%. you just learned in this, this first four years that your dream was a stop and it wasn't a destination. Yes. It's just it helped you be happy. Yeah. So you get traded. No, I went. I left in free agency. Okay. So this was something that after my third year, when I when I started uh, for the Giants for like thirteen games, they came back my fourth year. They tended me. So for those that don't know, a, a NFL tender is like a poor man's franchise tag. So they give you <laughs> players laughing. <laughs> I mean, they were paying me the most money they've ever paid me in one year prior than like the last three years. I was okay. making that and then some. So I'm going into my fourth season, like, okay, I started three, 13 games for you guys. You guys are going to allow me to build on the success that I had in my third year. Like, this is going to be fun. I can't wait to to fully realize myself as an NFL linebacker. Hold on, though, because you said at the beginning of this, the average player barely gets five years. So Less than that, yeah. Is yeah. this new – this is just me thinking, sitting here right now, is there like a new – Set of anxiety, new pressures that's creeping in here now because you three years is more than half a five. So I'm like, no, wait there a minute. There wasn't. There was. You ever you ever had those moments where you you think you want something 
and then you get it and you don't think it's not as cracked up as you thought it would be. And then it's taken away from you. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I still, like, even though I'm not like that happy with it, like I still want it. Have you ever had those moments? It's going to be bad. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> it's going to be bad that I say it. It's probably from a boyfriend, though. Like, <laughs> I don't want you, but I want you. Yeah. I don't want nobody else to exactly. have you. Oh, what do I do? And, and that's what happened. I hate to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened with me going into my fourth year because I, although I was happier just mainly being a special teams player because the, the anxiety with playing special teams is just, it's so much less. And you're affecting the team in a positive way if you play your job right. And to, I just like having fun on special teams. So going to my fourth year, I thought I was going to still start as a linebacker for the Giants. The Giants came to me and said, hey, you know what? We kind of see you as a special teams player. Like, I know we tended you. I know we're paying like, you more money than yes. you ever made. <laughs> but it, I didn't get to that yes moment until probably halfway through the season because for me it was like, Wait, why aren't y'all letting me start now? Oh, you felt like a slight demotion. Yeah, they were weaning off of you. It was definitely like it was definitely like that. And and there's some backhanded stuff that happens in the league, like, as with any team. But I feel like it was taken away without cause. Like, given, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Did not, it change your internal monologue? To me, it wasn't even a I'm not good enough. It was we have our guys and we want our guys to succeed rather than somebody that we picked up in free agency, uh, undrafted guy. Like, when it comes to the league, the guys that they draft, those are the guys they want to see succeed. They'd rather that's those guys. Invested. That's yeah. what they've invested oh, yeah. in. So but like, that was like three years. I mean, you got dropped. They're still, they still look still, at that from three or four years ago. It's still, it's still, still part of the much plan. bigger checks to other people, so that's still who they because want to succeed. That that front office and any front office in the league, like if you draft a guy, that means you did your 1,000 hours of research, to know that this is the guy that you guys want to have on your team. The free agent stuff comes, that's a revolving door. But these mm -hmm. are the guys they put their time and resources in and say, hey, you're my resume. If you do well, now that makes my resume even better because now I can be the I can be the person or, or the guys that can say, hey, I founded this guy. Okay. Hey, I got so this guy. So free agents are like um, fillers. Fillers, exactly. Okay. So they ended up giving the position to one of my teammates, um, and even that, like, I came in with four line, with three other rookie linebackers, and we all made the team. We've never had any animosity towards each other, and we knew that early on. Was like, the powers that be are going to try to pit us against each other because it's at the end of the day, football is a competition. Mm -hmm. We can't let whatever happens with them affect how we treat each other. So when he got the job, it's not that I was mad at him; I was mad at the people that gave it to him because when he gets on the field, like he's a good player. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. taking anything from him. Like he was a good player. I just felt like. If you've invested time in getting me ready for a position a whole year prior to that, you're paying me more money than you've ever paid me to play this position, to be on this team. Why wouldn't you give me that Why shot? wouldn't you give me the opportunity to build on what I, how I had already done? But that way, so to in being that this is all about creating your journey and being on this, being on the journey or creating your dreams and being on the journey, how how do people navigate that? Like not not only just your specific um, experience, mm -hmm. but when you reach a goal or you work hard, like you're in the NFL, then on top of that, there's not something over here that I necessarily wanted, but I worked for it. Yeah. I started doing this. I did what you told me to do. I'm doing all of these things towards it, right? And then you, they take it away from you. How do you, how do you process that? 
I think it's you. You have to, I guess, find that relationship with your happiness again, mm-hmm. and reassess that because they gave me what I what made me happiest. They mm-hmm. gave me. They said we think of you primarily as our special teams guy. But it was like a backdoor compliment. It, right? it, it At the same time, was. like I'm giving you this, but I'm also saying you're not good enough for that over there. And you never even wanted that over there. But I never had told somebody tell me I'm not good enough for it. But calling me like them calling, giving me that as a backdoor compliment, that's their assessment of that thing that they're giving me. Like somebody can give you shit, but you can look at it and be like, oh, this is actually this is a present. Mm-hmm. So I love that. <laughs> so for me, it was it. That didn't click to me until maybe like four or five games into the season when, you know, my my guy was playing on defense. He was doing he was doing a pretty good job. I was soaking a little bit on special teams, but still doing my job. But like, I got to the point where I said, "Wait, y'all gonna pay me this much money to do a third of the plays that I was doing last season? I won't be as sore." You start you you had to change your perspective. I I changed my perspective. I'm like, wait. This is actually a good thing. Like then now I can go into free agency next year healthier with less wear and tear on okay. my body, with more money in my pocket, with a clearer mind. Like I'm not I don't have the anxiety of prepping for special teams and defense. It was mainly just special teams. So I switched my perspective of like, y'all really gonna pay me this much money to do this little of a work bet. Okay. And so you're at a low point, you're like, instead of staying in a low post so- soaking, yes. right? Or soaking, you're like, you know what? Nah, this is a good thing. Let me shift my perspective on this Absolutely. because they started impacting your relationship with your dream. Mm-hmm. They started making you look at your own, like, oh, maybe we're not dating, we're not really court no more. We didn't got married. Yeah. Oh, man, this is, we separated right now, and, but not, <laughs> you don't got back together with your dream. And even, and even going into uh, free agency that next season, I knew early on in that season that, like, this is my last year with the Giants. Okay. Whether they offer me a contract or not, I know that I can't be here anymore because I'm not happy here because I felt like although they're giving me what I want they're not allowing me to potentially grow into wanting something more okay you know it was like here you're just going to take this like well you started the season with that attitude like with happiness being the priority I got I got to that point probably midway through um that fourth year to where I remember um at the end of the season, I had a, I had a surgery on my foot to correct a, a bone in my foot. And I'm walking around everything, and, and one of the guys, one of the coaches on the team, they said something, and I remember, I, f- I f- kind of forget what they say, what they said, but I remember leaving his office and being like, this is the last time I'm going to be here. And that was the last time I'd ever been in that facility because what he said, he attempted to motivate me, but... I don't like old coaches don't really know how to motivate kids these days. It's just like, we're going to make you hate us because your hate for us will make you work hard to prove us wrong. Yeah, I don't negative operate like that. I don't operate like that. It's okay. like, let's collab on how we can get better together. Don't give me the whole, like, you suck, prove me wrong type, time and time. I just never did that. So when that conversation happened and he thought he was helping me, I remember leaving his office and being like, no, nah, I'm gone. Like, I'll take a, I'll take another deal somewhere else, even if, and eventually um, the Miami Dolphins offered me a contract that wasn't as good as the the contract that the Giants offered me, 
they all they wanted me to come back. They said, "You're a special teams guy. We love we love having you on the team. You're you're a great guy for our team." I said, "You know, I, I can't I can't come back because the Miami didn't offer you more. They didn't offer you as much money, but they offered you a new shot of happiness. They offered me that has that has monetary value, unlimited, but it has yeah. a value, right? They offered me opportunity, and I said at that point, that's all I needed was opportunity and. I always look at the Miami Dolphins as the organization that allowed me to grow into a man in the NFL because when I was in New York, I was a kid. Like the the vets that were on that team, like you can't surpass the vets that were in that locker room when I was there. Like these are guys that are amazing dudes, like Hall of Fame players. Like we'll go down to some of the best giants to ever play. So the hierarchy there was etched in stone, and it's hard to to get to a position of prominence there unless you're just like lights out on the field. The Miami Dolphins was sort of a clusterfuck, uh, and not to take anything away from the players and, and the institution that is that, but like I knew I can go there and grow as a person on the field and off the field. Okay. So, and that's what I credit the the Miami Dolphins with doing for me because I was I was allowed to play free in Miami. Our special teams coach, he was like, "I know who you are. I've seen your work in in New York." We're going to take your skills that you love doing and we're going to apply them where effective. And I was like, bet, let's do this. And I had the time of my life in Miami because I was able to grow as a man. I was able to grow as a, a, a husband because we got engaged when I was going down to Miami. Um, it was just an all-around good, all good experience down there. So pretty much you had to make a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And also that, like, that was around that time was the moment where I – felt the morality of football because oftentimes you can't people like to say oh I'm gonna play I'm gonna play as long as I can I'm gonna play as I'm gonna do it as long as I can until they kick me out there are teammates that I played with that when when you get to year four year five naturally your mind starts to think well what else is out there in this world that's what I was about to ask you yeah it's it's like okay I've done this for about three or four years I've had the highs and lows I won a Super Bowl like what else is out in the world? If I've done this and I'm only 28, 29 years old, like what else can I do? I'm talking to guys that probably have been wronged by the NFL and have been kicked off and kicked to the curb and retired maybe on the on court. And I couldn't really find anybody outside of her that I could talk to honestly about my feelings in the NFL of saying like, hey, I, I think I'm ready to like walk away because everybody I talk to we're like, nah, man, you guys, you got to play as long as you can. Get as many checks as you can. It was that like, yeah, but I was making the most money I've ever made, but I was the least happiest I've ever been. Yeah. So when people talk that, oh, I can't wait to get this much money because that's going to bring happiness. And that's when like, no, it, it just brings access. It doesn't bring happiness. happiness. So I, I'm talking to some of my best friends in the world, like just didn't understand. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about walking away. No, man, play as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Get those checks. Like, yeah, you hurt, but, like, it's all right. Like, they got people that'll heal you up. Like, listen to what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not happy. Like, that should be the last thing you hear, and then we talk about that. Don't try to coerce me back to playing again. Yeah. But I just remember um, a good friend of mine who's a tight end. We played in London. I was winning. It was one of my first games with the the Giants. I mean, with with the Dolphins. And I, it was after the game, we were shaking hands and everything. I'm like, man, you know, I think this could be my last year. He goes, what year is this for you? It's like, man, it's year five. And he laughs. He goes, yeah, most most vets get that itch around year five. He goes, listen, even if you don't want to, play two more years and then reassess it. 
but make sure you do as much as you can off the field to like set you up. So if you do walk away, it's not as hard as a blow. It was a two minute conversation, but it completely changed my perspective. I'd already been doing some things off the field. Okay. Um, but it really turned the NFL for me from the job everybody wants and the, the big bright light thing to like, okay, let me see what I can get out of this sport. Mm-hmm. So that last two years definitely just mobilized me to like set myself up. So when I walked away, it was like, I'm good. I don't need to leave, live in the memories and like tweet about it. And, oh man, like I'm, I'm so happy to be an NFL player. Like I, I never subscribed to that. So when I walked away, I was making sure I'm gone. Okay. So December, was it 29th? December 29th. Yes. It was two days before uh, New Year's. Yeah. 2017. Yes. You were let go. In Carolina? <laughs> In Carolina, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were let go. Blair, your boo. <laughs> your boo thing. Eight years. He been providing for y'all. What happened? Because at, at this point, did you know he wanted to go into entertainment? We were already in it. Um, yeah. So the shows December being 29th, pitched. we already had a baby, and we were in Carolina for a month, and he yeah. got cut, and I said, great, I'm so excited. Let's go home and be in L.A. for Wait, New stop. Year's Eve. Wait, <laughs> stop. Hold on now. Stop. Stop. I thought the like, same thing, though. We could pack though. up stop. today, or you we opened could pack your, up. Wait, hold on. That is amazing. First off, it's amazing for to hear somebody... As a black woman, mm-hmm. to hear another black woman say, your man came home and told you he just got, forget the fact that Spencer was in the NFL. Dude, this is real talk. Mm-hmm. He just got fired from his job. That's how y'all eat. Yeah. Right? That's how we eat. And your response immediately was, great. But one, you knew he was unhappy. Exactly. My whole com- yeah. life, if you ask me what my dream was, I wanted to be happy. Yeah. I knew he was not happy. So you if turned he's around. Not happy. I'm not. I'm even. This an opportunity, happy. babe. Let's because go home. She. She he was already had doing seen stuff it. off the field. I had seen he didn't want to be here. I knew he wanted. His goal at that time was to make seven years. Game three of that season that he played made seven years. So at that point, that day, the 29th, we had made his dream come Happen. true. Yeah. Let's go home for New Year's Blair Eve. Blair just celebrate. became the real MVP for you that's, in that moment. I mean, that's what it was. Because even before I even got well, when I made the team with the Giants. 22 years old, I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to get out of this? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm big on planning things. I'm big on just like, I know things don't go to plan, but like, if you do have a plan, if it deviates, you can still find that light to get back on the path eventually. Mm-hmm. I'm not somebody that goes and accepts chaos. If I can plan something out and if I can like ease the anxiety of certain situations, I'm all for it. So when I looked at the NFL, I was like, let me see if I can play until I'm 30. That was my big thing. I want to play until I'm 30 and I want to walk away from the sport. No matter if I was number one in my position or bottom of the barrel scraping to get by, like once I'm 30, football is done in my life. So, so what, in 2017, how old were you? 29. I was, it was six months before my 30th birthday. And oh. I knew that that last year I got cut from the Jets and I was off of an NFL roster for the entire season until December. So I knew I got the call. December 1st of, yeah, December 1st of 2017. But I knew if I waited an extra week to get called, if a team called me a week later, I couldn't get the three games. So when you get a vested year uh, for your severance and everything, you need to play three games in an NFL season to get a credited season. Okay. So I had played no games to this point, and they were going into like week 14 or so. 
So if I played the last two games, it's great. I get a check out of it, but I don't get that vested year that helps with like benefits yeah. for life after ball. So the blow That's really God. wasn't that. The blow was bad because you're no longer in the NFL, but the blow was something you prepared for. I got we prepared seven. for it. That was God. What else could we ask for? And we we knew we had other things we wanted to do outside. So at that point, football was holding us back. Yeah. Because we had he had to keep training every day just yeah. in case he got that call. So he couldn't commit to anything else. But we still, we were in football, but we were stuck at our house. We couldn't do anything. Because at this point, you guys recognized that football was a stop on the destination. It was we not the destination. We recognized it way years before ago. that. Yeah. So we would have been stunted into like, what is real life going to look like for us? Okay. And, and I, I don't want to jump ahead a little bit, but the TV show that we know to be All-American now, like was, your life. was already being written during that year. So as much as I was pl- training in the morning, I spent the afternoons like working on the script with the right with the head writer and and building out the world that we know it to be now. So it hadn't got picked up yet. It hadn't got picked yeah, up. Yeah, I read an article about you we like submitted. found a, a someone's assistant's office and you yeah, had like yeah. thirty minutes and went to forty five and they mm-hmm. want to fine you five thousand dollars and yeah. you like kept talking about the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then you play. You pretended like you were there the whole time. Yeah. So it was just like during that whole season, like I would jump in and out of like going to the bathroom and talk to the head rider while I'm at Jets like training camp like hey have Spencer catch this pass and then he can juke out somebody and And then running back to my linebacker meeting like oh sorry coach like I had the runs like you know like (laughs) we were still like the the show was becoming something and we had to submit it by like late December to get approved for a pilot so when I got called by by the Panthers to come play it was like oh this is great I might get three games in but like now it's kind of taking me away from your, you know the thing new, that I've new started to fall in love with. So I'll never forget it. The day I knew I was done playing football and I was okay if like nothing else came from it was it was a Wednesday. We were playing against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that week. It was the first day that you know we're game planning for them, and I had an idea for a short story in my in my head. I couldn't get it out of my head, so I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna write some quick notes in my defensive playbook about what I want this short film to look like, put it away and get back to football. That turned into four pages, turned into 25 minutes later. And I could not tell you with my coach, I was sitting in a room with 15 other football players going over defensive schemes that we were practicing that week for the game. And you could have told me I would have been in outer space because I didn't, I don't know what was going on in that room. Everybody vanished from my perspective. It was just me in this notebook writing down ideas. So I look up. They're on page like 16. I look at my page. I'm on page like three. I'm panicking for a second because I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know any of the defensive plays that we're putting in this week. But I started laughing because the dude sitting next to me was like, yeah, man, I don't know where you just went, but like you were not in this room. He secretly was like, yo, give me what you (laughs) He thought you was hard. (laughs) But after he said that, I kind of sat back and laughed because I was like, man, this is the one thing that like takes me away from. It's the one thing that brings me joy. It takes me away from like my body aching with football. And because football was no longer happy. It wasn't happiness. And and I found I found happiness with writing, with creating stories. And it was that moment I laughed walking out of the room after the meeting was done. I was like, man. If I get cut today, I think I'm fine now. A week later, the Reaper comes. I'm rolling out in the in the weight room, and he goes, "Hey, uh, Spencer, head coach wants to talk to you um, for a second. This is when like the day that it's, it usually comes on that Friday. So I'm sitting there rolling out, and I say, "Okay, cool. I'll be in there in a second." And I go, 
wait, am I getting cut? And he looks at me, he, he gives me like, oh man, like, I'm sorry. But I sat there and I just started smiling. So I'm like, <laughs> thank you. I was like, oh, like, so this is how it feels. Like, I've never been cut that way. I've only been cut in training camp, and it's like I was already on a flight to my brother's wedding when it happened. So I was going to a joyous occasion. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to like sit on it. So I walk into the line. I mean, I walk into our head coach's room, and the whole room is somber. There's like three people, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know, sorry, we got to do this, and we have to activate somebody, and you know, you've been doing some good work for us, but it's Not our hands are tied." And I'm like, "Okay, okay like, <laughs> why y'all so sad? Like, go." get to the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, like, do it. Like, thank you for having me. Shook his hand, walked out, went up to, like, the couple linebackers that were staying back uh, working out. I'm like, hey, man, they just cut me. Um, pleasure, good times. Like, I'm out. I packed in my box. I, actually, I took, a, I took like, a long shower and took, like, as many snacks as I could because they had really dope snacks there. So I <laughs> packed in my like, bag. Why you got to tell that? I mean, if they're going to cut me, I'm going to get a couple things out of it. But Snacks. I called, snacks. I, we didn't bring our car out there because we, we live, like, two blocks away at this point. So I called her, and I'm like, so I just got cut. Um, and she's like, oh, wow. Like, there's like, oh. I'm packing up right now. Mm -hmm. But, and then they were like, oh, do you, do you want to leave tomorrow? Or like, you can stay for the weekend <laughs> or they're like, there's a chance we could bring you back in a week when we reassess the roster and everything. Or do you want to go back to LA right now? And you can like wait there until we call or something. It was like, it was just a chance. So I'm like, okay, do I want to spend the new year's kind of soaking in Charlotte, Carolina, the, the, <laughs> That's why you was like, team. let's go home. Yeah, what are we gonna do in Charlotte? So literally, like she's like, we had a six month old, six month old at this time. We're living in a one bedroom apartment. Like her crib was like in front of a window or whatever. But like we packed with that apartment in like three hours and we're out. And the next day, you know, we're waking up in our home and I look and I'm like, I'm done. Like I'm I don't I'm not doing this anymore. And we Yeah, said, I think even if you didn't have things happening outside of football at that point yeah. never have gotten cut in seven years just that alone is a blessing we yeah. had we had achieved what we set out for so yeah. either way no matter what happened we we had done what we had to do and i knew he was gonna like i had so much faith in him i knew he would be successful in whatever his next thing was i no. never thought like how are we about to eat my baby's gonna go hungry <laughs> yeah never once a thought in my mind i mean at this at this point football was holding us back it was holding us yeah. back from what we really wanted to do it was holding us back from our family from just being away and like we just wanted to move back to, to los angeles and be with our family and have our daughter be raised in the families that we knew them to be these big loving wholesome families like we were ready to move on from football and I love the fact that like a week before I had that realization like I'm good if I get cut and then a week after I get cut and I'm like okay What's now next? I can start my life mm -hmm. so oh sorry so you have seven year journey you was in the NFL right mm -hmm. that, that was the dream that dream became a goal when you started taking those steps to do it but you didn't accomplish the goal until you upped the antics you had to reassess what you was doing putting yep. into it and you know, add more to it, and then you made it. Yep. Then when you made it, you had to constantly be on, you had to show up every day, be on your A game every day, just like you was doing the four months just to get to the opportunity, mm -hmm. right? So you had to continue climbing a mountain. Yeah. You reached the top of the mountain year one. <laughs> you fall halfway down the mountain for a, a year and a half or so, right? Yeah, Almost like, two years. About two. About two and years. then as you're climbing back up, you decide, you know what? 
happiness not at the top of that mountain anymore. And then you go to Miami. Yeah. You become a man. You become a husband. You have your daughter. That's another mountain that I, I climbed, becoming a man in that process. Like, I, I definitely felt like my time in New York was, it was fun. It was a great life experience, but I did my most growing uh, as a man, as a football player in Miami. In Miami. Yeah. And then you are, yeah, two years left. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say a random stranger because you're not going to random stranger. But on your journey, you had the old knowledgeable man or the old knowledgeable woman on the corner in the movie that gives you that little nugget, <laughs> um, the little lesson and theme for the movie. And it was to prepare for your exit. Yeah. And that's what you started to do. Yeah. And you started to do your short stories, spacing out in camp or spacing <laughs> out in uh, class and then or practice. And then you get cut. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't a bad thing because you had already prepared for your exit strategy. So they did yeah. you a favor. So yeah. the, I love the fact that with these ups and downs, how you guys constantly looked at the positive side of the opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, even with the ups, the only time that you mentioned that you thought it was going to always be like that or is when you first won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But you said four or five games in the next season, you realize like, wait a minute, hold yeah. on. So you guys or you specifically did an excellent job of assessing what the journey was, mm-hmm. but continually reassessing what needed to be deep, what needed to occur for you to continue on. Yes. And then you got cut. You're done. The new dream. What is it, Spence? So look, you guys, this story is so great. Spencer Basinger is like dropping nuggets left and right about pretty much on his journey in the seven years in the NFL and what it took to do that and our relationship with our dream and what the tools we need to keep going on that journey, that it couldn't be a one-hour conversation. It had to be a two-part series. So we're going to take a break right now so you all can go to work. If you listen to this in your car, so you could grab you something to drink, get you some snacks and food you need to pick up later because I want you guys to hear the end of this story and where it goes. It's so important to me. So take a break and I'll check back with us for part two of creating the relationship with your dreams with Spencer Pacinger. 